The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, one of the most exciting things that happens in churches these days is Operation Christmas Child. But did you know there was a follow-up to that shoebox? Well, there is, and we're going to talk about it today. This is Bert and Alex, and it's Exploring the Word. We love coming to you each afternoon. Uh, It's 4 o'clock Eastern time. It is 3 o'clock Central. And where Alex is this week, it is just Two o'clock, Alex. Two o'clock. Two o'clock, man. I'm telling you what, you're doing it two hours early compared to what you usually do. Well, yeah, and I'll be on the Hamilton corner tonight. I'll be subbing for Abe Hamilton, but I'm still in Colorado. I'm out here speaking. And, Bert, let me, I want to cue this up uh, and say, look, coming to Jesus and going through all of our years with Jesus, wouldn't that be life's greatest journey? Amen. It is. And following Jesus. Matter of fact, the Great Commission doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples. Exactly. And uh, listen, if God was only interested, now he is interested in a person being saved. Don't uh, He loves us. But if he was only interested in us being saved, going to heaven, we would die immediately following our conversion. But he's left us here to grow because the journey. Have you ever heard this? The joy is in the journey, Alex. Have you heard that phrase? I have heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, and then the journey of discipleship, there's nothing like knowing Jesus. And we have a guest today that's going to talk to us about this greatest journey. And again, it's following up Operation Christmas Child, and I'm not going to take that away from Hannah Bolvey, who is with us today, to share with us a little bit more about The Greatest Journey. Hannah's The Greatest Journey Development Manager for Operation Christmas Child, so you see how they're connected. And and Hannah, it is good to have you on Exploring the Word with Alex and me, Bert, today. Gentlemen, it is a privilege to be with you. Well, where are you coming from? I am calling in today from Boone, North Carolina. So it's only, uh, it's four o'clock here, actually. Um, so if we're talking time zones, I got, I'm yeah. the other direction. Um, but Boone, North Carolina, which is the headquarters of Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Well, I'm, I, I, let me just tell you right now, I'm here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Alex in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Hannah in Boone, North Carolina, I, I love Northeast Mississippi, guys, but I'm telling you, you are two of the two of the most beautiful spots in the United oh. States. So mm-hmm. I, I am not going to covet. I, I just uh, <laughs> I, I'll be all right staying here. But Hannah, welcome uh, yes. to the program today. Thank you. My mountains are a little smaller. Yeah, but they're beautiful um, than Alex's today. But they're wow. beautiful. They, they are. are. Well, you know, Hannah, uh, Alex here, it's been my privilege on several occasions to go there to Samaritan's Purse there in in the Boone area. And uh, let me tell you, the Lord is in that place. The the power of God is all over what you all are doing. And Mm. it's been my privilege to travel extensively. And around the world, people know the shoeboxes. Operation Christmas Child, it is recognized globally, isn't it? Absolutely, it is, and it is a privilege to be a part of a ministry that um, does excellent work. In fact, you know, one of our guiding principles is to demonstrate 
biblical integrity. And around here, we say all the time, you know, the quality of our work is the platform for our witness. You have to have both. Um, you have to have, you know, the quality of work to um, be able to share the gospel um, in a way that ma- that matters to people. Um, so, yes, it's a, it is certainly a privilege to be part of this organization. Well, let's let's make sure everybody knows that we're connecting the dots. I, 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 I that's one of my pet phrases. I tell you, I love to connect the dots spiritually, scripturally, like from the old to the New Testament, following mm-hmm. up on God. But Operation Christmas Child and the Greatest Journey—they are connected, aren't they, Hannah? They are. So, um, you know, as you said a few moments ago, we we take seriously the fact that God has called us to make disciples. And I think we need to just stop right there and say, okay, well, what is a disciple and how is that different, you know, than than somebody who knows about Jesus or who um, has maybe even made a decision for faith at some point in time? You know, I I really, the the difference is um, the fact that God's word tells us that knowledge puffs up but love builds up. And so it is our calling and our privilege and our responsibility to not just um, make little Pharisees who know all of the right answers, um, but to really create disciples of Jesus Christ who um, show um, who they are in word and in deed. And so we do that by um, starting first off with the shoebox that everyone's so familiar with. We start with the mm-hmm. shoebox and then um, we give that shoebox that have been packed by so many of your listeners. We we take them to a processing center. We inspect them to make sure that they're safe and appropriate for children all over the world. Send them out through the ports. That's what's happening right now. And they're headed all over the world to, to children. But the way that they're going to get to those children is by the by um, brothers and sisters around the world. Our international teams have been working to identify and train and equip um, people who uh, live in every country in which we work who are already pastors and teachers. You know, God has already built his church, you know, everywhere around the world. We don't have a different, you know, um, level of of you know, God's spirit here in the United States, like God has put his people everywhere. He has equipped them. He's given them the word. He's given them the spirit and he's given them the people of God. And so um, we are finding brothers and sisters around the world who are already feeling called to their communities, to their neighborhoods, to the village over the next ridge and um, partnering with them, training them, providing them with resources, bringing in the shoeboxes. And they're the ones who are then holding the outreach events where children receive their shoeboxes and hear the good news of the gospel. But then they are also the ones who are following up with the kids for 12 weeks, 12 lessons where they're teaching the kids to know the gospel, to grow in their faith, how to study God's word for themselves, what is prayer really all about, all of these kind of very practical things, and then teaching them um, how and why it's important for us to share our faith with others. So um, all of that is being done um, by brothers and sisters around the world who are vetted and trained um, believers um, who um, are faithful uh, ministry partners for us. And so um, we get to be a part. We get to be kind of the, the tip of the spear with the shoe boxes and with um, providing those resources for the work that God's doing around the world. Alex, amen, when amen. I hear this, I and I throw it back to you after I make this statement. In other words, we have the opportunity to be a part of that. 
praying, but also giving. And, and let me throw this in because I need to do it two or three times. For $6, you can provide this this greatest journey of discipleship so that these people who have been trained by Samaritan's Purse, they're local, they've, they're invested in those children and in their lives of their children, you can be a part of that and make that contribution. If you give $60, that would equip 10 children. And again, mm-hmm. let me say this is multiplied because guess what that child does with that booklet? He or she takes it to her home where they have others. And so $150 would reach 25 children. So that number, and write this down, 877 616 Let me say it again. I'll say it slowly. 877-616-2396. Or you can do it easier than that by going to AFR.net and donating online. $6 provides one, and you can do the multiplication going up. Alex, it's an exciting time to be a part of this. Well, it is. And let me say this. um, Hannah, I've been privileged to see a lot of the Uh, content of The Greatest Journey, and it is wonderful. It is biblical. Kids read it. They just can't uh, wait to to soak it up. And The Greatest Journey and Peace with God, and it's really all over the world bringing children and shoebox recipients either into their relationship with Jesus or helping them grow and learn how to be a disciple and a lifelong follower of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. goodness, $6. What an amazing thing to disciple a young person. And obviously we won't meet them till we all get to heaven. But wow. Bert, where again can people, for $6, they can underwrite the greatest journey in the life of a child? And how did they do that again? They can call 877-616-2396. That's 877-616. 616-2396 or you can go online at afr.net you'll see you'll see the information there and you can follow that and make that contribution again $6 per child so you don't have to stop at 6 that's where you got to start but uh, after that you can do multiplication on up so uh, Hannah when I hear this and know this it says since 2009 more than 12.6 million children have made these decisions for Christ, and now we get uh, some of them, many of them, most of them have followed up with The Greatest Journey, and this year that number will be added to more than 12.6 million. It'll probably go up close to 14 million, and they'll follow up with The Greatest Journey. That's We need to be passionate about this, don't we? Absolutely. And, you know, um, because Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse, we are so passionate about um, demonstrating biblical integrity. It's one of our guiding principles. And um, so, you know, when you see a number like that, you say, okay, 12 million children, you know, where do they get that from? You know, are they are they really counting, you know, kids like how, how are they really, you know? Um, you need to know that that number does not come from our outreach events where children receive shoeboxes. We absolutely believe and know that children do make decisions for Christ at shoebox outreach events, but we do not feel like it's demonstrating biblical integrity to kind of have a raise of hands and kind of count, you know, I see that hand kind of um, raise of hands in those environments because these are kids. This is a high energy environment. 
Um, we don't know that child's motivation. There's so many things that, that we really can't know in that moment. But when we are on week six, six weeks in to a discipleship program with a trained teacher from the language, from the culture who knows these kids, probably knows, the they probably, you know, live in this village, know the kids from the time they were born. And they begin to see this child's heart and life and transformation happening in real time. Because God's word does transform us when it is a heart transformation. And so, um, at, at the six-week mark, there is an opportunity to fill out a commitment card to say that you are making a decision to follow the Lord with your whole life. And the teachers talk about that with the kids. What does this mean? And how do we do that? And why do we do that? All of these things. And then usually they take that card and they use it as an opportunity to go back to the family of that child to have a conversation with the parents, with the grandparents, share the gospel with them as well. Um, but that's where we get that number from. We get that number from week six of The Greatest Amen. Journey. That that 12,000 is not a flash in the pan. <laughs> that's 12,000 children. 12 million. Excuse me, 12 million. Yeah, I know. Man. I'm so sorry. Yeah. 12 million children yeah. that have made a, a written commitment at the six-week mark. Amen. Mm. Hannah. Praise God. You've been a blessing to be with us. This is Hannah Bolvey and from Boone, North Carolina with Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child. And, and she is part of the development of the greatest journey you can be a part of that. Again, Hannah, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And that God number, real quickly, before we go out, 877-616-2396 or go online at AFR.net. $6 will do one, and you can do the multiplication on up. Make that call today. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. The Lord taught us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Dr. Tony Evans says that God makes that heaven to earth connection through us. He'll explain one way that happens as we spend two minutes with Tony. Why you come to church for preaching and for singing and for fellowship and all of those are very important things. There is another purpose of the church that's absolutely critical and that is legislating from the spiritual realm. The illustration you've heard me give is like an embassy in a foreign land. An embassy, America's embassy in a foreign land is a little bit of America a long way from home. It is a legal entity, a legal compound. It has a location, but it's not just there to sit 
It is there to legislate from America to the foreign land. So it is, the church represents another realm, although it's located on earth. It represents heaven, but it's located in history. And it has been given homeland authority to operate in history from eternity. Now the reason I'm pointing this out is many Christians don't understand this. The reason you need to be connected to the church is so you can suck heaven down into history through the embassy that God has created. And if people understood that that's what the church is for, they would understand this is a bigger deal than just sitting in a pew once a week. Learn how prayer can bring more of heaven into your earthly life. Check out Tony's CD series, Igniting Kingdom Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. When you're up on the mountaintop or walking through the valley below. Jesus is enough. When the storms come crashing in and you're carrying a heavy load. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network. If you've got a Bible, turn to the New Testament. The New Testament Gospel of Luke, and Bert and I are going to continue in Luke chapter 2 today, and uh, you know, Bert, I do love the Christmas story. I, I mean, I've got, I've got so many books about Christmas, and um, do you m- remember growing up, you know, my mother was a teacher, and she would teach Little House on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls Wilder, who said, Christmas makes us all a child again, and I, I think it, that's true, because we... Uh, not only we have memories of Christmas, maybe you think back on Christmas when you were young, but it takes us to the most important child that was ever born, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem's manger. And uh, I, let me just say this, and then I want your thoughts as we get into Luke 2, Bert. Um, the gospel story is is a wonderful story. Uh, it's a story of God having victory over sin and death and darkness. And it's the story of God keeping his promises to send a Savior. Christmas is a story of God's love in that while we were yet sinners, he sent his Son to be our Savior. But you know what, Bert? In addition to, yes, salvation, our sins are forgiven, it's a beautiful story. I'm going to say this. I don't know any other way to say it. Our Savior is an artist, and the, the coming of Jesus and the, the ministry of our, our Lord and Savior from the manger of Bethlehem to the empty tomb, it is the most beautiful, artistic story ever devised. And P.S., it's true. Amen. <laughs> uh, you know, if you watch a movie and it's a his, telling a historical event that happened, speaking of historical events, today, 80 years yes. ago, oh my, yeah. Pearl Harbor, uh, was attacked by the Japanese, and uh, there are some people. I heard the story about a 101-year-old man who was making his way back out there to commemorate that. Uh, he was there and survived. But anyway, we do remember that. But history has that. And notice what this is in Chapter 2. Two things. I know you got the people. That's important. But notice this, the timing and the locations. Here, uh, The timing. It came to pass in those days that 
a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. Now, Alex, look at that, the timing. It came to pass in those days. Just at the right time, this pagan king, pagan ruler, made a ruling that everyone was to go and be registered, and they had to go and register in their cities of origin or, you know, their ancestry, their legacy. And that meant Joseph had to go down to Bethlehem, had to leave Nazareth to go to Bethlehem, about a 90-mile trek. It's it's real close, 88 miles to Jerusalem, and in Bethlehem a little further, it would probably be about 90 miles, maybe a little more. And so, Alex, the timing and the location, when I read that, regardless of it being the Christmas story, I trust God. He Mm -hmm. knows what he's doing when, and he knows what he's doing where. And it is all, you know, it says about the universe, he rolled it out as a scroll. And, and, And what happens to a scroll after it has rolled out as far as it can, it rolls back up. It so, does. so God's timing of here in 2021 with all the things that are going on, the difficulties, the blessings as well. And, and I know a lot of difficulties are happening. Don't you think I'm ignoring them? I'm not. But count your blessings. Name them one by one. God is still working. He's still blessing. So connect those things, the timing and location, where you are at this time. You're not here at this time in 2021 by accident, you're not in your location where God has placed you by accident. God has purpose. Just like he had purpose in chapter two of Luke, he has purpose today, Alex. Well, amen. That's absolutely true. And, you know, uh, we've said this last week, but when it, you know, talks about a decree, Caesar Augustus, this enrollment, uh, Quirinius was governor in Syria. Everybody had to go to their own city. They come up out of Galilee, out of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, Bethlehem. See, this sets definable historical places, a definable historical window of time. Uh, this is real. This is real. Hey, let me let me read some of this, and then we'll comment. And uh, goodness, what what a wonderful one of history's most beloved passages of language. I mean, ever. Uh, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed or enrolled with Mary, his wife, uh, a spoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. It's time for the baby to be born. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, Bert, billions of people have ever lived. I mean, countless numbers of humans have crossed the stage of history. The most important life ever is this baby Jesus because our salvation, our eternity, hangs on the life and the work of this baby that would be born in a manger, doesn't it? It really does. If you were to go to Bethlehem and see uh, this place, uh, it's one of the places when you go to Bethlehem or Israel, Jerusalem, they'll say this is probably where it happened. Well, they built the Church of the Nativity, and it was built in 300 uh, uh, A.D., 
and uh, I don't use common era. I, I'm going to stick no. to the old way of talking A.D. And, and when, uh, I would say, when the uh, Muslims came in and destroyed most of all the buildings around Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they left this one standing because in a stained glass window, they had a picture of the wise men who came, and yeah. they looked Middle Eastern. They were kind of Persian. They were, you know, had that uh, look, and yeah. they left that building standing. And so it's pretty confident if you were to go to Bethlehem and see the uh, the nativity and place where Jesus was probably born, it's probably good there. I, I love that that took place, Alex, and that mm-hmm. intrigued me when I was visiting uh, Bethlehem and saw that. Well, you know, a lot of times I've seen on TV and I've seen online there at uh, Manger Square, they call it. It's actually an area, an outdoor area outside of the Church of the Nativity. They call it Manger Square. And very often they'll have a camera on on Christmas Eve. And and this is just so wonderful because, look, this is real. I mean, and Bert, you've been to the Holy Land and so have I, and uh, it's it's wonderful. But, I mean, you go to these places and... Look, you don't have to visit the Holy Land to know that the Bible is real. But um, if you ever do go there, and everybody listening who's ever perhaps taken a trip to Jerusalem and to Israel, uh, you know what I'm saying. Look, the manger, the city of Bethlehem, the fields where there are uh, rock walls that make up these livestock pens that go back to hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, and the area where the shepherds saw the announcement from the angels, the Annunciation. And then you get into the places like uh, the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane and the Pool of Siloam and Old Testament sites like the Tomb of Samuel. And uh, there's even places where you can go that they know Joshua and Abraham were there. Bert, this is real. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, and I'm going to tell you what it is also absolutely every every bit as much real and that is the return of Christ. Jesus literally came. Jesus will literally come back. And in that, we take great hope, don't we? We do. He didn't come to the throne the first time he came, but he will the next time here upon earth. And look at those words again. Her days were completed. Again, I I know I'm beating what we call a dead horse to death, but I, I love this. Right at the right time, when it was time for her to give birth to her firstborn son, this decree went out just at the right time, so she would arrive just at the right night that this child would be born and complete the prophecy that was said by Micah in chapter 5, verse 2, and that was said approximately 750 to 800 years before this event would happen. And again, it is history. And Alex, so we find that. So while this was happening, heaven just couldn't be quiet. They couldn't keep it to themselves. <laughs> and so there was, uh, and, and I'm using these words, so it, just have fun with a posse was sending out to find okay. somebody that they could declare the good news to. So they went to the hills around Bethlehem and found some shepherds. And they said, we've got some good news. That was good news for their ears, wasn't it? Uh, it was. And, you know, uh, this would make a good church play or something like that. I mean, the greatest miracle, C.S. Lewis called this the grand miracle. I mean, there's a lot of miracles, parting the Red Sea. But God, 
taking on a human body, uh, coming to earth to be our sin bearer. He, he took the punishment for our sins on Calvary's cross, rose from the dead. Lewis called this the grand miracle. And maybe some angel said, give me that megaphone. I've got to go down there. <laughs> and the, uh, uh, a multitude of the heavenly host appeared in the sky, and the shepherds were afraid. This is eight and following. And they were out there. And, of course, you know, it's very famous, verse 11 of Luke chapter 2, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. Okay, Bert, um, isn't it something that the first people to hear about the good shepherd were the shepherds? It is significant. These were outcasts. These, now again, everybody appreciated what they did. You understand that, but they didn't like the people that did it. Shepherds, they, the, now they wasn't like leprosy, don't get me there, but the shepherds, they felt like they were beneath most every occupation, and yet that's who Jesus, was. his birth was made known to. Again, a lot of people believe these are the sheep that was being used for sacrifice, the sacrifice uh, at the temple. Can't guarantee that, but it is likely. Let me just put it that way. A lot of things I've read kind of point toward that. But these are still men who who would not be expecting this, Alex. That is the unexpectancy of Christ, of ha- who he'll save, who he'll use. You know, would you say the Apostle Paul, when he was out having... Christians killed was an unlikely person to be Mm. the apostle to the Gentiles, to the world, because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, looked down on anybody that wasn't. But God would select this unlikely person to carry the message of Jesus to the Roman world. Here's these shepherds of all the occupations, and God would choose to make known to them the good news of Jesus' birth. That's the God we serve, isn't it? Amen. Amen. You know the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, The shepherds came. You know, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And it says that they rejoiced and they made, you know, they told people, look in verse 20 of Luke chapter 2, they uh, went, by the time they went back to the fields, they were glorifying, praising God, and they told everybody. And I know people might have said, what? You know, You've you've seen the Lord. You've had a meeting from God. Uh, those shepherds, they weren't the aristocracy. They weren't the religious elites. They weren't the wealthy people. But you know what? Um, they got to hear about the one that John the Baptist would call the Lamb of God. And some of those lambs they were raising would have wound up in uh, temple sacrifice. And yet they got the announcement about the one who would be the final sacrifice to pay for our sins. Bert, um, there's so much in Luke chapter 2, and they 
being observant Jews, Joseph and Mary, you know, they went, um, when a woman gave birth, she went through a ritual of purification, and then the child was taken to the temple for circumcision and uh, dedication, and uh, they were very poor. Uh, Mary and Joseph were very poor, and they had a sacrifice of uh, uh, turtle doves, two young pigeons, um, and when they get to the temple, something very, very special is going to happen. They got some s- people waiting on them, haven't they? And They do. They do. Uh, some people that for years had looked for the Savior. One was an old man named Simeon, and the other was a prophetess. And I've always had it in my head that Anna was probably up in years, but her, her name, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, but Bert, as you read the latter parts of Luke chapter 2, doesn't it move your heart how here's this very poor married couple, and they come in with a newborn infant for dedication at the temple, and the Spirit of God moved on Simeon. He says, let your servant depart in peace. In other words, I can die a happy man. God, I have seen your salvation. It is exactly right. And here Simeon and Anna Uh, Again, this is so inclusive. The man, the woman, the good news. These are people that had looked forward. They were not disappointed. Uh, They had to wait. I guarantee you they had to struggle. They had been there. But let me read it real quickly. Time's running out, but listen to what Simeon has said, verses 29 through 32. That's a good way to end this segment. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Listen to that missional statement, peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Hallelujah. That is Jesus. We pray you know him. Make sure he's Lord of your life before Christmas Day. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Children's hearts around the world have been touched and opened to Christ with Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Gifts. The next step is the greatest journey. Your gift of $6 provides evangelism and discipleship for children and multiplication of the church in over 100 countries worldwide. Join with AFR and other listeners in this powerful outreach, sending the gospel into the corners of the world. Since 2009, as a result of this program, nearly 9 million children have made decisions to follow Christ. You can send one child on the greatest journey for just $6. $60 reaches 10 children. $150 reaches 25 children. Your donation provides instruction materials and 12 discipleship lessons in a child's own language. Led by a teacher trained by Samaritan's Purse. Call 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or donate online at AFR.net and help send children on the greatest journey. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In his October 11, 1798 address to the Massachusetts militia, John Adams, second president of the United States and founding father, said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. He understood that in order for the American Constitutional Republic to survive long term, the church in America must make disciples of its populace. 
and immoral people will always destroy themselves through lawlessness. To think otherwise is to suffer under a grand delusion. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Romans 12, verse 12, the Apostle Paul encourages us this way, be constant in prayer. Ten-year-old Emmy needed help with arithmetic. She'd heard that her new neighbor, Albert, was good at arithmetic. So she went and asked him for help. He gladly helped her with her homework. When Emmy's mother learned what she was doing, she hurried to apologize to Albert for Emmy's intrusion. Albert put her at ease. I love helping Emmy learn. She's welcome here. Emmy's mom was relieved and said, Oh, thank you, Mr. Einstein. Well, our God is all-wise, and He has all the power in the universe. He longs for you to call on Him in prayer every day with every need. His door is open, so bring your entire life to Him in prayer. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. In a desperate place, Father, I know you can bear the weight. Welcome back Father, to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we're coming to you today so excited about the Word of God, but we're also excited about discipleship. We interviewed Hannah uh, Bolvey in the first segment about the greatest journey. The greatest journey is, is uh, it includes a booklet that a 12-week study. After they get through, they get a graduation certificate. This child does. They get a New Testament Bible in their language. And and this is all through the local church in that community where where we've participated in Operation Christmas Child with the shoeboxes. And now they follow up with this discipleship program. And 12.6 million children have gone through this program since 2009 looking Amen. at maybe adding a million more, and you can be a part of that. For $6, you're providing this one child and their family with this Greatest Journey notebook, a New Testament Bible, through that local church. How many is reached? $6, and you can multiply that out. 10 would be $60. Uh, 25 children, $150. Uh, 150 reaches 25 children. That is amazing. Now, listen to these phone numbers. I've given you the one that you call to talk to us, but these are important. You want to write these down if you just want to listen to the regular rest of the program, or you may want to say, I need to do it now. But call and make that donation of $6 plus to have this discipleship material sent to children around the world. 877-616-2396. That's 877 877- 616 2396 
or you can go online at AFR.net and you can donate. So I pray that you would do that. Well, Alex, we've got people online. Are you ready to answer some questions? Let's do it. We're so glad to have everybody's call and Bible questions, so we'll do our best to give an answer. We sure will. In Ohio, we have Sue. Welcome, Sue. Oh, thank you. I'm on a cell phone. I'm just getting ready to go into a pharmacy, but I wanted to comment that uh, it was very interesting on another program. Uh, It was suggested that perhaps um, the voice of Mary when she went to visit, was it uh, her cousin, Elizabeth? Anna? Elizabeth, yes. Uh, when she came in and said, hello, or whatever she said. Shalom. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, immediately the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, uh, the child in her womb uh, leaped, her lips. And the thing is, uh, that Holy Spirit child was in the womb. That baby could hear. Maybe the baby heard. Amen. And I think they do say the baby's here, and you can talk to the babies in your womb when they're growing up. So I think that's another reason why abortion is so horrible, that babies mm. are really uh, able to be alive. But I thought it was really exciting to hear just the thought that the voice of Mary Amen. Um, was that was her voice was um, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Anna, and the, I mean Elizabeth and the baby both, and then uh, the whole family became filled with the Holy Spirit. I just thought that was an exciting mm. thought. Amen, Sue. Thank you for that. I, when our second child Matthew was born, the nurse brought her to Jan, brought him to Jan. And uh, quick as Jan spoke, that baby, we're talking about newborn baby, turned its head straight toward his mama because that baby had been hearing that voice for nine months, and he recognized that voice. I agree with you, Sue. Alex, that was a great call, wasn't it? That was a great observation. Yes, the babies in the womb can hear, and John the Baptist heard the voice of Mary. Uh, Just one more reason out of many why we should be pro-life and we should care for the unborn. So we need to be praying for the Supreme Court. They've heard the arguments uh, this past week, and they've already probably made their, made their first vote. And I'm praying that those votes would be for life. And uh, yes, we're waiting. God. That will come out. We don't know exactly when. We'll hear what their determination is. But we're praying that God would have his way. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Mary. Mary, welcome. Thank you. I have a question. I mean, I didn't hear this till last Sunday, and I'm not young, but Peter, when he was being crucified, of course he asked to be hung upside down, but I never knew that his wife was crucified the same day and before him. Can you tell me where that is at in the Bible, and I'll hang up and wait for your answer. Well, Mary, we can tell you that's not in the Bible, but Alex, is it in uh, other historical documents anywhere? Well, there was a historian named Eusebius, who's generally regarded as very trustworthy, and Eusebius said that Peter's wife was executed on the same day that Peter was. So um, let let me say, we want to be very careful that only the Word of God is Holy Scripture, but some of the um, early church historians in the first really 300 years are meticulously careful, not only some of the church historians— but the Roman historians and the Jewish historian Josephus. So um, 
that is what the record of history says, that Peter was executed first, and then his wife was. Um, let me read this that Eusebius wrote. Um, when the blessed Peter saw his own wife led out to die, he rejoiced because of her summons and returned and called out to her very encouragingly and comfortingly, addressing her by name, saying, O thou, remember the Lord. And that Peter was executed first, and then some time later that same day, his wife. So it is a part of a historical record. It's not in Scripture, but, Bert, I would, I would take it to be true. Eusebius is a trusted historian. He is. And if you wonder about that, if you ever think, wow, well, how bad, remember and read Hebrews 11, uh, the Hall of Fame of, of Faith that's in the Scriptures, and it tells you about all those that were delivered by the hand of God, but it also shares with us a list, not necessarily by name, of those that suffered so greatly because they stood for Christ, not denying him. And we've got brothers and sisters all over the world, uh, in Nigeria, in North Korea, in the Middle East, that are standing, and China, that are standing for Christ and paying the martyrs' uh, consequences. They're going to get a big crown when they get to heaven. I say a big crown. It's They're going to get a crown, one that they rightly have earned, martyrs for Christ. Uh, thank you so much, Mary. Next, uh, we're going to go to Oklahoma and talk to Liam. Liam, welcome. Hello? Yes, you're on. Yes. Go right ahead. Yeah, uh, this is William. William, okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Go ahead, William. No problem. Uh, I just had a question which I hated to call in. I was wondering, do you know anything about the yield commentary? And lately, uh, late in discussions, uh, odd things have been being said, but no way to verify them. And one of the oddest things that uh, would say that uh, John the Baptist was stillborn, and when Mary came in, that he was quickened. And I was wondering if that was in, like you mentioned, the historians or anything like that. And lately, that's been creeping into the lesson, those interjections of things that are slow, you know. Okay. William, I apologize for using the wrong name. John the Baptist, uh, there's no record of that stillbirth. Alex, has that become a, a part of a legend or myth that some have started? You know, I, I've got to say that uh, I've never heard that before. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't doubt because, you know, people say a lot of speculative things, but um, we don't get that at all from the Scripture. I mean, we really don't. If you read there in Luke 1, and that's what we were talking about yesterday, how, you know, God told Zacharias, hey, I know you're old and your wife is past childbearing years, but this would be a miracle. And in verse 42, um, I'm sorry, uh, earlier in Luke chapter 1, you know, you read about Elizabeth conceived and she went to hide herself and she carried it. Let me just say this. Um, If Elizabeth had had a miscarriage, it would have happened before the sixth month, uh, very probably. And, you know, uh, 24 and following, you know, she's carrying that baby. And I really think to say that um, the ba- John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth only came alive when Mary walked in, uh, that's, that's not in the Bible, and that's, that's legend 
uh, yeah. not scriptural truth. Let me let me just share. The Bible is enough with the amazing timing, the works, the locations, without people trying to add to it. Uh, you know, and, and I say that with every fiber of my being. I've I've read quite a few books. I've there's no book like the Bible. It is alive. It it's powerful. And the stories in it are accurate, and they are sufficient. And without adding to it, and and Alex, every once in a while, yeah, we'll find something uh, in a historical document, uh, in in archaeology that blesses us, but it 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 just verifies. It doesn't add to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Stick with Scripture and you'll not go wrong. <laughs> that is so true. Hey, next we're going to Ohio and talk to Tim. Tim, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, guys. Hey, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate this program. I appreciate your absolute adherence to the Word of God. And um, like the caller said yesterday, the Word of God is the Word of God because the Word of God is the Word of God. I think something <laughs> for that order. Amen. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I just wanted to share something that stood out to me in the program today. And, and once again, I just wanted to say how special the uh, subject matter is. It's just so special. But what stood out to me today is how God used the authorities of that day to cause Mary and Joseph to be in the right place at the right time for God's purposes. And I just wonder, you know, with what we've got going on in our nation at this time and how we seem to... Um, be struggling with the authority and the mandates and so forth. I don't know if there's any way you can comment or touch on that, but um, I just thought that was interesting, and it stood out to me today how, because in Romans 13 it does talk about our submission to the authorities, and I see how Mary and Joseph submitted, and it was exactly where they needed to be. You know, uh, Tim, we studied quite a bit of things, but one of the most amazing books in the Old Testament, and people don't read it too much, is the book of Ezra, and and also Nehemiah, how Cyrus at certain times in certain places after the 70 years of of them being in, in, in captivity would say, oh, it's time to go back, and he even brought out all the the furnishings for the temple said, take them with you. They Nebuchadnezzar got them. I don't need them here. Take them back. I, I don't know Cyrus's heart, but I am telling you, God used it. And here, God is able to do that, Alex. He can move the heart of the king, even when the king's heart is not what it needs to be, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and let me say this about submission to governmental authorities. I do think we should do that. Uh, Romans 13 says the powers that be are sanctioned by God. Now, being called to go, you know, 100 miles away to a census might be a little bit of an inconvenience. But um, if you read books on Christian ethics, where ethicists draw the line is if the government is compelling you to do something ungodly. You know, it's one thing, and we, we live in, in times right now where there are there are things that are inconvenient and even things that uh, really are against our moral sensibilities, but we, we still do have recourse, like the voting booth, and we can make our voice heard. And while there are a lot of things that seem dark and draconian, um, we're not like being, you know, compelled 
to take human life. Although I, I think, Bert, we really do need to pray that our nation, before we get much darker, yeah. we need to fervently pray that we would have a revival and turn back to that which is moral and godly, because the track we're on is the opposite direction, isn't it? It is. Sin will take you further than you want to go. That's true for an individual. It's also true for a nation. It takes longer to come back. We're going to try to get this call in. Jot from Florida. We don't have a lot of time. Go ahead with your question. Hey, real, real quick, thank you for what you did. And I, just the, the reasoning for them, uh, for uh, David, uh, for, for Mary Joseph to go to Bethlehem, uh, that was a, uh, a earthly uh, commandment, wasn't it, to go and he had to go there in order to fulfill the law of the land kind of thing, so God used that? He sure did. Mm-hmm. It said, go to your city, the city of origin, and that was Bethlehem, house of David. Alex, God, I, you read this story and you just see God's in control, don't you? You really do, the sovereignty of God. I mean, from the angels making the annunciation, well, to Zacharias and then to Mary and Joseph and going to Egypt to spare the life of, of Jesus. Hey, God's in control, and Bert, he's in control even yet, isn't he? He is, and you can trust him. That's, that's the bottom line. We believe that things are lining up for his return. We believe that. God's in control. If he doesn't come back as soon as we think he will, guess what? We trust God. Uh, trust the Lord. There's nothing that takes the place of trusting Him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your paths. Hey, by the way, don't forget to make that phone call to 877-616-2396. Make that donation for the greatest journey promotion right now. Help a child to to come to know Christ and grow in Him or go online at AFR.net about the greatest journey and it will be a blessing. Alex, I've enjoyed being with you today, brother. Amen. You know, verse 7 says there was no room in the end, but I sure hope there's room in your heart for Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Open your heart to Him today. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word.